Welcome to the Chico Creates podcast, where we interview local artists, musicians, and makers from Chico, California. I'm your host, Kira Barasoti, and with me today is Maven Corvid. She is a multimedia or self-described multi-dimension artist who created her business, Putris Immoratata, Im- Immoderata. Immoderata, thank you, around the idea of giving materials that would otherwise be lost to nature or a landfill a second breath of life. She uses many different mediums, almost entirely reclaimed or upcycled materials, and is self-taught in museum quality preservations of biological specimens, aka ethically sourced dead things, to share her unique view of reality. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. (laughs) I'm very excited to be here. It's my first podcast. Oh, awesome. Well, I'm super excited to have you. (laughs) Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about yourself beyond the bio? I know you've got like a crazy story of how this all started. I do. I have a wonderful villain origin story. Yes. Um, But (laughs) I would say uh, in general, I'm just like... As a person, um, <laughs> definitely just like an eccentric creative that um, is pretty much either at my house hanging out with my pets, which is uh, I have a pet goat and a dog. Your goat is so cute. Yes. Baked Elizabeth <laughs> Pamela Beans. Um, she comes to all the daytime art shows. She's cultured dairy. <laughs> mm-hmm, <laughs> <But I'm> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then I have a little dog, too. That's like Godric, her buddy. Or I'm at IDF Fab Labs, which is where I have my studio. And it's kind of like my second home. Outside of that, I uh, just kind of... Kick it old school. I don't mm-hmm. know. Don't do anything super exciting besides art. <laughs> Your art's pretty exciting. So. Thank you. I think so. It's exciting for me. Yeah. I mean, it's exciting for anyone, I think, <laughs> who comes across it. <laughs> we'll get into that. Uh, how long have you lived in Chico? So I moved to Chico in 2012 originally for school um, mm-hmm. and then have pretty much just stayed for the community, I would say. Yeah. Um, you know, I got my degree in child development was like, nope. Um, So then went back, went the medical route, um, worked as a CNA for a while, ended up getting a job um, working in a clinic full time um, while finishing up my prerequisites to go to nursing school. Mm -hmm. Um, I was kind of all set to do that, um, working as a training specialist for kind of a big affiliate of clinics and um, ended up kind of having this life changing medical event that threw me into the art world. And I have just not been fighting the tide since so here we are yeah (laughs) love it yeah so then what's keeping you here is community you mentioned and you're you're pretty well like ingrained in the fab labs world it seems i definitely you know i lovingly refer to it as my second home Mm -hmm. or that i'm the ghost that haunts fab labs Uh but um (laughs) i it has been I found that place when I really had no I don't want to say no community because I've always had this amazing network of family and friends that have supported me kind of through this whole thing but Mm -hmm. um up until you know or I would say yeah up until Fab Labs my entire community uh, network of friends and family was all based through my work in the clinic um Mm -hmm. and different things that I was involved with at the time in terms of like social activism in the community and Mm -hmm. ultimately became disabled overnight and was not you know able to do any of these things and you know those people all are living these very different lives than what you were able to yeah Yeah, at that time Mm -hmm. and um so I really you know I it's scary to think you know kind of what would have happened if I didn't find Fab Labs when I did they had shut things down for COVID um as a makerspace and then post-COVID kind of tried one more grand reopening um of the member space and basically the two people that joined was me and Lauren who you also had on this podcast Mm -hmm. and we you know met at the little intro to Fab Labs 101 and uh, it's a very different place now than it was when I first joined and Mm -hmm. you know just in terms of the focus has kind of shifted but I've just kind of continued to get involved um, in different ways there and it's just an incredible kind of community of folks that have just helped me grow so much as a yeah. person and as an artist um, yeah most definitely yeah for sure do you mind saying more about like what happened and how yeah. that you know totally spurred you into this new avenue Realm. yeah 100 <laughs> yeah. so basically i like i said i was like working in a clinic full-time um you know I'll, sometimes up to 60 hours a week because I was training um, Mm -hmm. folks so I would travel. Um, And so that involved a lot of driving and not a lot of sleep. And Mm -hmm. um, so basically I had had 
this was during COVID, so things working in the medical field during COVID in yeah. general was a very, uh, you know, collectively traumatizing experience. Yeah. And um, basically, our mission was just trying to keep as many people as we could out of the ERs. Yeah. Um, and so that included myself. So when I started kind of having these small episodes, you could say, like health episodes, basically, I would get this very kind of weird feeling like leading up to it and then would kind of have like get very confused and disoriented and kind of lose my speech or have like a part of my body that would move without, you know, me like controlling it. Uh And, you know, it was concerning. But like I said, it was just the kind of thing where it would happen once and then it didn't happen again for, you know, probably almost a year. And then it happened again. And then it was like, you know. Whatever. So anyway, yeah. um, I had gone into the emergency room a few times uh, because it had happened at work. And so they sent me out, the doctors that I work with, uh, just to get checked out. And they just kind of were like, oh, it's probably anxiety, like follow up with a primary care provider or something like that. So ultimately what ended up happening was I was driving down the freeway and had about 30 seconds of that feeling, uh, like that weird feeling. Yeah. yeah. So they call it an aura is the oh, okay. you know, medical term for it. And I'm actually very lucky that my seizures have auras because some people don't get any warning. Yeah. Um, and so thank God I was able to, you know, there was an off ramp right there. And so I literally just like swerved off real fast <laughs> and put my car in park and luckily was able to do that before I kind of slipped into a generalized seizure, which lasted for about 10 minutes, Jeez. Um, which is very long for seizures basically anything after four minutes is typically um considered like a life-threatening emergency and um you're alone brain death yeah Yeah. and so i was so lucky because my mom happened to be driving right behind me and saw me kind of swerve off like that yeah and because we had gone to pick up my car long story anyway Mm -hmm. and so she kind of went to the next exit and circled back around um and so she was able to call ems and kind of get in through the car and then you know, had this crazy brain chemical, quote unquote, death thing. It's not yeah. as though I actually, I, I kind of refer to it as when I died, but right. it's not as though I was actually pronounced dead or anything like right. that. That's not kind of the point. But um, yeah. anyway, I essentially kind of opened my eyes back up to that, like bump into the back of the ambulance. Um, mm-hmm. And I, after that, was admitted to a hospital in Reading for the next like week or so and immediately was started on a very high dose of anticonvulsants. I've been seizure free since, knock on wood. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, you know, basically during that time where I was hospitalized, um, we found out that the underlying kind of or I guess the umbrella for the reason that these seizures were had started in the first place is a genetic disease called Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. I've heard of that. Yeah, it's actually it's quote unquote rare, but it's mm-hmm. probably a lot more common. Um, yeah, than yeah. we think. And kind of as this whole thing is developed, I've met you know so many people that it's like, oh my gosh, I have you know a friend's friend that you know struggles with this. Yeah. So basically the rundown of Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. Um, It just is a genetic disease and it changes the way that your body produces collagen. So collagen is an essential protein. It kind of makes up every structure in your body, you could say. And Mm so people with Ehlers-Danlos syndrome um, tend to have collagen that's degenerates more easily Mm -hmm. it stretches out more easily it's more easily damaged and less easily healed um and basically the majority of people with Ehlers-Danlos their symptoms you could say or the clinical presentation of that syndrome is problems with skin like they kind of will have odd scarring um Mm -hmm. Or like delicate skin, easy bruising, things like that. Mm-hmm. I hyperelastic joints. Um, yeah. I do have those things, but in addition, I have basically your cerebral cortex, which is you know the cling wrap wrapped mm-hmm. up around your brain, is made of collagen. And so, due to mm. uh, the Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, I started to have deterioration yeah. in the portion of my cerebral cortex, kind of on this left side, um, which allowed for electrical kind of activity to start um, abnormally. And so that's, you know, obviously it's collagen isn't something that, you know, you can, I can take a supplement, you know, like that's, it's a helpful thing. Your body needs to produce it Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And so it's not like there's something, there's a cure or anything Mm -hmm. like that. Because I had the neurological involvement, I was in a, that kind of, so like I said, Ehlers-Danlos is a very rare genetic disease in general. Mm -hmm. And then kind of beyond that, I am the first person um, outside of one 
confirmed case of the vascular subtype, which is not the subtype I have, um, that's ever had any kind of the clinical presentation that I have yeah. in terms of the neurological involvement. Uh-huh. And so kind of as a side effect of that, um, like I said, I am seizure free, mm-hmm. but I have what's called dysautonomia, meaning the dysfunction or discomfort of the autonomic nervous system. So mm-hmm. autonomic nervous system controls everything that you're not aware of so your breathing your heart rate things like that so I kind of have to do a lot in terms of day-to-day management Mm -hmm. um with medications lifestyle just you know general generally paying attention um, to my body because what kind of will happen is that if there's kind of like a wrench thrown into any of those things Mm -hmm. so for example I it's really hot um or something like that because now my body can't really regulate its body temperature like a normal person. It starts yeah. shooting signals, you know, okay, this is an emergency situation. Your brain's not getting oxygen. We need to jack up your heart rate, you know, yeah. to almost 200, Jeez. which could theoretically cause me to pass out. Have a, you know right, what I mean? So it's right. kind of this vicious, like, ongoing cycle. And so kind of over the last three years managing, you know, learning how to manage that mm-hmm. um, and trial and error has been huge. I'm incredibly lucky that because like I said my presentation was so rare of a even more rare genetic disease that has not had a lot of research done my case was pretty much immediately picked up by Stanford University um, and I was able to like my care is still done through there Uh um, and they're absolutely incredible Um, I have the absolute dream team roster of like yeah the best of the best like doctors in the world (laughs) and uh, yeah, I'm just infinitely grateful because, you know, they have gone so far above and beyond yeah. to give me a quality of life. Yeah. Because, you know, when I first was, quote unquote, got sick and yeah. all this kind of started, um, you know, my functioning was very different. Part of that was medication side effects. Part of that was yeah. you know just recovering from yeah. the seizure and everything that had happened. But I, you know very much credit them with me being able to kind of function yeah visually to the rest of the world as a right. quote-unquote non-disabled person right um you know even though I still am you know obviously this is going to be a lifetime yes. thing yeah but anyway where I am now is a million times better than where I was yeah. and it's the kind of thing it's dynamic so it's gonna continue to come in waves throughout mm-hmm. my life but I'm just very grateful for the good times um, yeah. <laughs> and it's been pretty good for a while now so yeah that's um, great yeah yeah that's yeah for the... like as bad as it is slash could have been you've you've kind of had the best outcomes, exactly it seems like. <laughs> really um you know I like people have asked me like oh yeah like you know like aren't you mad about yeah that or because there was some issues with some medical negligence that probably like I could have probably avoided that very large seizure um yeah. you know yeah but it's I am kind of I think that everything that happens in life happens truly for a reason even if we don't understand it and even yeah. if we'll never understand it mm-hmm. um and I think that I wouldn't be the person I am today if None of that had happened. And, you know, there's this quote, um, Stephen Colbert talks about how if you're truly grateful for life, then what punishments from God are not truly gifts. And it's this kind of idea of that if you're truly grateful for the fact that you exist, um, you have to be grateful for even the like grossest, most like terrible things that have ever happened to you. Mm -hmm. And I think that when I first started doing art, um, Mm -hmm. it was something basically that started because after I got out of the hospital, I, you know, what could barely function. I felt like a child. I could, you know, I wasn't even allowed to take a shower without like telling somebody. Yeah. Um, Constant supervision. Exactly. They Mm -hmm. took my license away. Um, I couldn't go to work. You know, I could barely even like walk around my house. I was in a wheelchair. Yeah. You know, just, it sucked. And so I was just honestly really mad at the universe and feeling yeah. really like sad sack sorry for myself sure um and the best way I can describe it is just sitting there rotting so I had created kind of the my first two pieces that started this whole thing are the two I, I call them beasts of a feather and they're pretty stinking big I think you've seen them before have they been at the art center yeah yes, they're yeah, the, yeah. yeah um a lot of people kind of identify them they're on my yep. business cards and stuff like yep. that and so kind of the concept between them is that 
and I didn't quite a lot of my art I feel like I don't figure out the full meaning of it until it's totally finished and yeah. then I'm like and like much okay. later yeah, yeah I'm like that's <laughs> same, where I was going with here. that uh-huh. I'm like oh past Maddie you yeah little w. <laughs> um, but anyway and so I had kind of like started I had these two canvases that I had just had lying around forever kind of as like scrappy canvases and mm-hmm. I had never thought about being an artist or doing art or anything like that mm-hmm. but I just kind of you know I was watching a bunch of YouTube videos and like boring stuff and I started like seeing like ideas and I was like what else am I going to do and so I basically made these two big canvases and they have these kind of beasts on them and the beasts have like they share each one has a wing from the same turkey Mm -hmm. and each one has a horn from the same goat and the rest of the creatures though are kind of Frankensteined from you know all sorts of different ethically sourced bones that I get which I can Mm -hmm. get more into that Mm -hmm. um And then I kind of like hand painted them to, you know, be consistent. So it all kind of looks like one creature. Yeah. And one of them has an arm with a like little beaver hand thing Mm -hmm. that's extending like a dried sunflower to the other one. And the other one doesn't have arms to accept the gift from the first beast. And it's moving kind of in the background colors of the canvas the first beast that's extending the arm with the flower is Mm -hmm. kind of moving from the dark into the light and then the second beast is moving from the light into the dark and it's leaving this like gnarly trail of smashed up glass kind of behind it that trails over kind of like onto the second canvas Mm -hmm. and so at the time it was just kind of my way of trying to like process Process, all these like feelings of grief and Mm -hmm. like anger with the universe really yeah but I had a friend shout out Danny Blouse um (laughs) that was like okay like bless their heart they were like these are so bizarre you should really (laughs) apply to the bizarre bizarre and I was like that's ridiculous that's like an actual art show like Mm -hmm. I'm not an artist like Mm -hmm. me 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 Mm -hmm. and anyway I kind of completely forgot about it and then it was probably like they sent me the link I think to apply a few weeks later I was like just throwing it out there yeah and at that point I had really only made those two canvases I mean I think I had maybe done a few other things while I was working on that so one night I was honestly just really bored and probably had like a glass or two yeah many of wine yeah. kind of thing uh-huh. and um was like yeah fuck it let's apply yeah. and um so I did and then honestly kind of totally forgot about it uh-huh. until I got an email a few weeks later saying you've been accepted to be one of the vendors at Chicago's you know yeah bizarre bizarre yeah and I was like oh my god um, yeah what <laughs> I guess did I we're do? doing this yeah so <laughs> I had to you know I basically came up with the name Maven Corvid um mm-hmm. it's a nod Maven is like a um name my family's Irish and that's like a well-known name on my dad's side of the family that I've always liked and mm-hmm. then Corvid is a reference to Ravens Magpies Crows mm-hmm. that family of birds the you know kind of too smart for their own good, very mm-hmm. self-aware. I've just always kind of had this affinity for them. Yeah. And then I was like, all right, business name. Um, I ended up going with the most difficult thing to pronounce that I could have possibly <laughs> chosen. Uh, As evidenced by my, my intro. <laughs> it's not you for the record. This is an odd, like even people that like, like, have worked my shows before yes, and stuff. Yeah, they um, still stumble over it's, it. Because <laughs> it's kind of a tongue twister. Yeah. And I spell it also like, a total jerk. Um, uh-huh. But anyway, uh, putris moderata, <laughs> as loosely translated from Latin, means decaying obsession. And so kind of the idea that, you know, the beast just kind of happened to be the product of this, but mm-hmm. I decided to kind of go with moving forward is that I'm only going to be, you know, making things out of stuff that would otherwise be discarded. Like, discarded. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, you know, I that can mean you know, parts of animals that have been, you know, processed for other reasons um, mm-hmm. and would otherwise, you know, just they have no commercial value. So yeah. it's not like they're going to be sold or whatever. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm very much an animal person and I've gone mm-hmm. out of my way to really educate myself on what it truly means to ethically source things. And, yeah. you know, really took the time to kind of form my own opinions because ethics is inherently subjective. What right. for some people, any use of animal products is not considered ethical. I right. disagree. You know, I think it's unethical for child sla- slaves in China to yeah. stitch together your vegan leather bag and then for us to put it on a cargo container and ship yeah. it back and forth 
polluting our oceans for six months before sending it to you um, in like 50 different layers of plastic that will sit in the landfill, you know, for um, the next 500 years. Same with your vegan leather, you know, bag that's plastic. Um, Yeah, right. (laughs) But meanwhile, you know, like leather fur things like that it can be used and refurbished over and Mm -hmm. over and over again and then literally when it's finally time to retire it you could throw it in a fire you could you know it will go back it's gonna go back to the earth earth. um Mm -hmm. so i kind of just decided that that was the mode i wanted to take and it Mm -hmm. was i i didn't really realize it at the time but i feel like it was my way of justifying my own existence at that point because i just felt like i had become nothing but a burden to society overnight you mm-hmm. know I had kind of dedicated my life to being a helper right. um you know I wanted I worked in emergency medicine yeah. you know I was going to go to nursing school I was going to work in a high level trauma hospital I had you know all of these things laid out and the universe basically was like no you nope. have, you're a taker now we got a plan <laughs> we got a plan for you and yeah. you know it was it's incredibly it's hard to be a fully you know almost aggressively independent 27 year old that all of a sudden you know has to rely on their parents again again like my retired parents and Mm -hmm. shout out janet and mark if you know you know like they're the real (laughs) ones but yeah so it was i i think in my mind it was like okay if i can take these things that are trash yeah and turn them into something that's worth something yeah you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. even if it's just to me or it looks pretty you know Mm -hmm. what i mean um then yeah it would help me in some way and so i just kind of started crazy creating for a few weeks after i had gotten this acceptance letter to the bizarre bizarre Mm -hmm. and honestly i thought it was going to be just some crazy like one-off story of like this is the thing i did one time yeah at that point i had no like ideas of doing this you know any further kind of than that date and had never kind of evaluated i had yet to find fab labs you know what i mean um i had kind of hadn't done any of this stuff and also I was incredibly nervous because it was you know I had it's a big event it's a big event to, and yeah. I had still not even um told I would say ex- outside of the people that were incredibly close to me in mm-hmm. my immediate vicinity mm-hmm. I had not told anybody about the circumstances of my situation because I was under the impression that at any day you know they would be like well not even that it would happen again I just had for some reason this strange sense of false hope that they would be like oh this whole thing has been a mistake whoops like here's a pill uh like we you know back to your normal life now you go and so I was really like hesitant to kind of accept it yeah accept it and show you know the world and at that point it's a very vulnerable thing to being 27 and having to use any kind of mobility aids um like like I said right now I'm in a spot where I'm like able to yeah Yeah. mobility wise Mm -hmm. I'm doing great but at that point you know I could really not walk further than 10 feet without like my heart rate very getting very scary and it was a really dangerous situation um yeah but at the same time I was you know in complete denial that you know I needed these things and so I just chose to isolate pretty much and never Really, I don't think I left my house for like a full six months yeah. and so, and like didn't post on social media or anything like that. Um, and so it was like a few weeks before the Bizarre Bizarre. And I realized I was like, OK, I'm going to have to explain all of this Yeah, in my wheelchair. Like people yeah. are going to talk to me and they're going to like wonder. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what about my friends and stuff that I've been kind of ghosting this like right. last couple months? Like. I think I need to like, you know, bite the bullet and kind of get ahead of it. Yeah. Yeah. And so I kind of, you know, not that this is a matters, but for my own sanity, I kind of made like a little public service announcement Mm -hmm. kind of thing on my Mm -hmm. Facebook and was just kind of like, you know, I've been kind of hiding out for the last six months. But those of you that don't know, this is kind of what's been going on. And anyway, everybody was very supportive, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, But so then Bizarre Bizarre comes. I'm you know insane imposter syndrome because like you said it's a it's It's like it's a big event event in chico yeah Yeah. (laughs) and this is like you know my first art event ever you know and i'm like looking at the facebook invite page and it's like fourteen thousand people have responded interested and Mm -hmm. you know it's or 1400 yeah 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 you know know. everybody is coming (laughs) (laughs) but like still i was like oh my god like what did i get myself into and anyway the 
Chicago people are just absolutely incredible and yeah. so kind and amazing. And, you know, the Friday we're coming in and trying to set up. I've never even set up a table before, right, let right. alone a booth. Now it's like, you and know, an exercise and I'm in a wheelchair. <laughs> so my poor retired dad, who, uh -huh. you know, he... His kids grow up, they go to school, he retires, buys a camper, has these big dreams yeah. of, you know, vacationing and camping all over the place, and instead um, gets recruited to be uh, the Maven Corvid team. So <laughs> yeah. basically his camper uh -huh. is moving all of my art around, and he's having to physically do everything. Yeah. <laughs> so bless his heart. Uh, he's, to this day, been at every single event, and That's is awesome. like the, you know, number one you know, Corvid crew member. Yeah, yeah. crew. The, perfect. The Corvid crew. Yep. OG. Um, and so anyway, they were just so sweet and helpful with like, you know, trying to set things up and all this stuff. And anyway, I ended up not even realizing until it was like the day of the first day of the bazaar that it actually was to the day six months since I had had that seizure wow. and marked my first six months seizure free which is kind of the first big milestone that you have mm -hmm. um where it's like you can start to kind of finally take a breath because right. at that point if you haven't seized again and that is a pretty good indication that the medications that you're on are working yeah and it also was you know the six months to the day of my big seizure the first time I had really gone out in public um, yeah. since I had gotten sick as this kind of new person that was showing vulnerability and mm -hmm. was no longer necessarily a helper but needed help the first time I ever showed my art to the world which yeah. you've seen it it's a little it's I mean, one of my many catchphrases is not for everyone. Yes. <laughs> um, and that's fine, by the uh -uh. way. I love that. Um, yeah. You know, like, I don't want everybody to like it. That's kind of the point. Right. Um, but I think that, you know, kind of coming into this space, feeling like a complete imposter artistically and like, you know, I have no idea what I'm doing. These people are like professionals. They've, this is what their mm -hmm. life is. Mm -hmm. And then also just the vulnerability of, you know, like, okay, this is things that I made and mm -hmm. this is me now. Yeah. And then another side effect that I didn't really uh, anticipate necessarily ahead of time is that when you're a 27-year-old in a wheelchair, every single human feels the need to ask you why you're in a wheelchair and you're going to get really, really used to reliving the most traumatic experience yeah. of your life like 500 times a day. Yeah. And at first I was really did not want my story to like my medical every, stuff yeah. to uh -huh. be involved with my art at all like yeah. um I didn't want those two things tied it felt yeah. very personal to me um and it felt very like exploitative to try to kind of use that quote unquote sure. you know like felt like very like hashtag disabled artists like right right, stuff, you right. Know? It's like <laughs> I want if somebody likes my art I want it to stand like I want them to like it because they like it yeah. but um I kind of at the Bazaar Bazaar realized through talking to all these people that people really connected kind of with the story um, yeah. and the kind of experience. And even if it wasn't, you know, they've experienced something similar. It added a lot of like context and meaning to the yes. art for people that are not seeing the world from my exact perspective. Right. And so, you know, I would say honestly, like there is nothing like doing an art show um, and like I said, retelling the mo the worst moment mm -hmm. of your life in explicit detail to uh, hundreds of strangers over mm -hmm. and over again for two days you know that's like the best therapy that oh you yeah get. like they talk about exposure therapy like yeah get with it dude um, yeah, no, and then it's so funny because like people like and now I have no problem at all talking about it yeah. um obviously and um but it's just so funny because at the time I was like oh my god like people really like don't they're like so what does it feel like to die you right, know and it's yeah. like okay <laughs> no Susan like yeah. let's 10 o'clock on a Tuesday but let's really dive into it um yeah. and so it was just like this kind of interesting thing but um it just really kind of in my mind up until that point I was just like I had kind of said sitting there rotting feeling really bad yeah. for myself and waiting for somebody to come in with a magic pill or yeah. a solution that was yeah. gonna change everything and let me go back to being my own Normal boss life. like yeah, controlling yeah. what I'm doing you know and like yeah normal mm -hmm. life and so I think kind of radically accepting the fact that uh I truly have no control over anything and none of us do. Everyone. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. you know, I can sit here and be 
mad about, mm-hmm. you know, it's so unfair. I'm 27. I did everything right. I pulled myself up by my bootstraps, like blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. But realistically, you know, if you think about how large the universe is yeah. and then even how large this planet is and even mm-hmm. how many people are in this on this planet yeah. and then how individually complicated and complex each of their individual lives are um, yeah. and you know, even just the grand expanse of time, the sheer fact that any of us are existing at the same time in the yep. same realms, in the same place, and actually meet the people that we love and care about and get to experience life with these people that like, you know, are our friends, our family, and like, you know, provide positive, negative, whatever, like, mm-hmm. all of that is so absolutely mind boggling. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, I could sit there and think about you know, this is so unfair. Yeah. Like some people are get it easier. Some yeah, people yeah, yeah. get it worse. Like that's just the way that life goes. And mm-hmm. realistically, nobody cares about your problems. And I don't say that in a <laughs> negative way. Yeah. Like I say it, this is a very comforting statement to me. And I've had yes. to learn the yeah. hard way that it is not a very comforting statement to, to other people mm-hmm. when they are in a moment of distress. Mm-hmm. But in my mind, the fact that Nothing that we do matters and everybody that you know and love and yourself and everybody that they know and love and we'll all be dead someday and none of this will exist. That is like the most comforting thing in my mind because it's like no matter how much I mess up or no matter how low life gets, like there's nowhere to go but like somewhere else. Like Mm -hmm. you may as well Mm -hmm. check it out. And so I think just kind of learning to like be like, yeah, okay, I don't see the grand scheme for this plan, Yeah, um, but I'm just going to like enjoy enjoy it it. yeah Yeah. and then totally it gives you permission exactly yeah I uh, you know not to get into my whole backstory but I origin story origin (laughs) story from from like my spiritual story I guess you could say I, I was raised evangelical Christian I've since deconstructed and I have found so much comfort in that nihilism mm-hmm. where you know, a lot nihilism. of yes, yeah, we're a lot Not of pa- exactly, active. yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't have to let things happen to you. You get to make your own meaning, and there's so much power in that. And I have, I have had, I've, I've come across people in my life who just don't can't comprehend and I'm like I I don't know how to explain how freeing it is they're like it's so it's that's such a pessimistic outlook right and I'm like it's it's not not. I'm not saying (laughs) that you have no control over the things that happen to you and you're a victim to your circumstance what I'm saying is that you get to choose the reality that you're perceiving yeah and realistically who's to say like this is gonna sound a little like multi-dimensional sure. but like realistically like who's to say what's real and what's not real yeah. what's reality yeah. to somebody is not my reality so I don't know what they're experiencing yeah. and you know it's everybody has these different versions and so it's just kind of like we're all doing the best that we can yeah. with what we got mm-hmm. at any given time mm-hmm. and yeah just that like active approach to yeah. you know that you get I'm to make manifesting what and... I want mm-hmm. in my life and I'm allowing things into my life that I want and I'm removing the things I don't want in my life yeah and, and you do have a lot of control over all that that's all the control exactly you know? that's for me exactly giving up the control and thinking that you yeah. know there's some not to get all religious but like some sure. being or entity or something that's like controlling me yeah I don't like that yeah um, yeah you know yeah I'm the puppeteer here. Yeah. Of my meat suit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, man. That went way deeper yeah, than. Sorry. <laughs> I feel like that was a tangent. No. I was like, oh, yeah. All right. I love it. <laughs> I'm into it. Cool. Yeah. So, I mean, let's let's talk about the art itself. Cool. Yeah. You brought in a couple of pieces. I did. Yeah. So, like I said, I'm in the process of moving right now and I didn't sw- have time to actually swing by my studio. Uh-huh. Plus, I would say um, 99% of the things that I end up making are absolutely gigantic because and I'm cumbersome. Yeah. And <laughs> covered in they're like weapons, like yes. covered in broken yep. glass and horns and antlers yep. and things that are just ready to hurt you so Mm -hmm. speaking of I stabbed myself very bad the other day um, (laughs) trying to move one of my own art pieces but um yeah so I work a lot I'll pull out this one to show you um I work a lot with epoxy and Mm -hmm. I would say like my biggest um I said before I have a lot of catchphrases but Mm -hmm. um my biggest like 
catchphrase would probably be like fuck around and find out like yeah yeah in all things in life it kind of mm-hmm. goes with that active nihilism where it's yep. like yeah who knows until it's after but exactly um, with art in particular everything i do is 100 percent experimental mm-hmm. um i've never taken a formal art class that i know of outside of just like maybe like a high school elective type yeah, stuff you yeah. know and i tend to be just because of the way that my brain works pretty much entirely self-taught like I'm not the instruction manual type of person if that makes sense so it's like I will do something a million times in a million different ways until I figure out the way that it works for me kind of thing Mm -hmm. um and so epoxy has been one of those journeys for sure it is uh by far kind of my favorite we have such a love-hate relationship Mm -hmm. me and epoxy um (laughs) it is allows me to create anything that I can possibly imagine in this you know world and brings all of these crazy ideas to life and I know yeah. th- things that I make really would be possible without epoxy mm-hmm. but it is the grossest messiest <laughs> most carcinogenic <laughs> moody expensive and just frustrating <laughs> thing to work with in the entire world uh-huh. um I cannot tell you how many like Oh man, like that's trash. Like yeah, that's even that's more trash. trash now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now it's like unusable trash. Right. <laughs> um, but it's you know a lot of trial and error, and mm-hmm. then um, it's just the kind of thing where it's like you know I. I use like marine grade epoxy and so it's like takes 72 hours to do a full cure and if anything kind of happens during that time in terms of like temperature fluctuation yeah. you know like oxygen mm-hmm. there's there's so many variables that can go wrong and you know if it if it doesn't set up it, it never will and mm-hmm. that's you know ruined sounds and, like your body yeah exactly <laughs> i think that's why i do it yeah. it's just like, like you know an intentional out. challenge uh-huh. yeah, yeah because it's yep. trying to mess with it but yeah um i would say i feel as though i we are friends now yeah and, yeah um, we have good stuff but anyway so this is kind of an example of um like one of the epoxy type things that i've been doing so mm-hmm. i have been doing um silicone molds of like body parts mm-hmm. um this one is a mannequin face oh, cool. um, yeah, yeah. and then i'll cast it into epoxy so um i have one that's actually we're lesson to learn um don't ever try to silicone mold both of your hands at the same time when you're home alone (laughs) Um, because it will start setting up and you will panic so hard when you realize that your hands are trapped both of your hands and you'll get out of it Uh okay you may but it's going to be embarrassing and you're going to ruin it like it waste (laughs) a lot of silicone and feel really dumb so just just a heads up Uh but anyway and so then i'll make silicone so i did one where it's like a face and then kind of like a female upper torso Mm -hmm. and it's kind of the golden lady in the mirror Mm -hmm. um and then i've done ones with like um where it's kind of like a three-dimensional hand that Mm -hmm. i casted and then i like incorporated like uv reactive mica powders and alcohol inks into the epoxy and so Mm -hmm. the hand kind of reaches out from this like it's a upcycled window frame Mm -hmm. um that i took from this like old like abandoned house basically Mm -hmm. and then um I like took the little door keyhole portion Mm -hmm. off of an old door and added that and kind of the idea is that it looks like this window frame that you would kind of open it's like a portal to the putris is what I call it (laughs) um and in the little you know if you look through the keyhole there's like a mirror that looks back and it's your own eye and then if you look in the you know little keyhole to like see like you would to see out yeah um, it's actually one of the taxidermy eyes that i make that's like looking back at you yeah. and then it kind of has black lights built into it and an epoxy pour and glass and stuff and then this like ghostly hand is like reaching yeah. out from the swirl and so yeah i would say that's kind of the deal on epoxy that's awesome <laughs> and then, thank you and then i do a lot of stuff with um like preservation so mm-hmm. Like I said, everything's like ethically sourced, but Mm -hmm. um, I have kind of come up with methods um, to like preserve different things in different ways. Particularly, I focus on not using harsh chemicals and stuff like that and using Mm -hmm. quote unquote like natural methods because mostly... I don't have a great reason, but mostly just because I have dogs and um, yeah. it has happened. That, yeah. You know, and a goat, a which is going to eat everything. And it's just kind of like, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's no huge deal. At one point, my dog Godric actually started contributing to rent 
because he chewed up a raccoon hand perfectly into a middle finger. <laughs> and so it was like chef's kiss perfection. Uh-huh. I like built it this like spooky little graveyard, uh-huh. you know, to go in. And it was yeah. just this like little tiny raccoon yeah. hand flipping you the bird. <laughs> um, but anyway, he hasn't done anything that intentional since. Uh-huh. Uh, but so in that case, it's like, you know, I don't have to worry about God forbid they get yeah. into something. Not yeah. that that's a huge issue, but still. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I do like for example i use like rabbit fur and Mm -hmm. i do face pelts i have an example i'll show you in a second and so those i connected with this lady and her family that own a zero waste well they live on a homestead in michigan and their focus Mm -hmm. is kind of zero waste Mm -hmm. so they raise meat rabbits for them and their family Mm -hmm. um everything that they don't eat goes to their raw fed dogs what's left is basically rabbit fur that is considered to have no value so the reason Mm -hmm. for that um people often get up in arms about fur and Mm -hmm. if you don't know now you know yeah um basically (laughs) factory farmed fur i completely agree that's totally not ethical and the reason for that is rabbits that are processed for their fur so factory farmed fur their meat is considered unusable um, not food grade and so it's complete waste Um, same thing goes for rabbits that are raised for food consumption then their fur is their fur is yeah not commercially sellable um, or usable and it has to do with the processing and honestly just stupid laws but yeah yeah basically (laughs) um she will you know go ahead and overnight me a package um of you know some goodies and Mm -hmm. i will go through kind of the painstakingly long process of processing either them turning them into like a pelt like fur like you would picture normal mm-hmm. you know and I can make like purses like mm-hmm. little outfitty things like whatever mm-hmm. or I will do like for I'll show you this is an example of a face pelt so basically oh, what I yeah. do is I um, <laughs> for those of you that can't see it is a basically looks like a rabbit mm-hmm. what I end up doing though is in these cases normally with fur and leather you want it go through a process of like breaking it because you want it to be flexible Mm -hmm. um with these i don't want them to be i want them to be able to hold their shape for their whole life so they end up Mm -hmm. all having kind of little facial expressions and personalities Mm -hmm. so how i do that is i kind of go through a longer process of drying them kind of over time where they end up being completely rigid and as far as i know and my research and stuff online i'm the first person that's doing it this way um yeah if anybody else That's is cool. doing it this way, though, I'm sorry. It's, I'm not trying to take. I just uh, it was a kind of a long time tr- trying to figure out how to do it. And mm-hmm. so basically, I create kind of a a mold, and then it takes usually a, a few months of kind of drawing and shaping them, and then they come off of the head mold. And so this is just it's almost like a mask, so yeah. it's completely empty inside. Okay. It. There's nothing yeah, in there, yeah. but like if it'll hold its shape basically yeah. for a lifetime. Yeah, um, and so then. Whereas a f- and fur it's got would some like. nice little jackalope antlers. Exactly, it's uh-huh. got some nice little jackalope antlers, and then I make my own taxidermy eyes uh-huh. for my things. Yeah. So the reason for that is traditional taxidermy, in my opinion, the eyes always suck because they're super <laughs> flat and like they just—that's yeah. the part that for me every single time that I see taxidermy, like traditional, ta- even when it's really you. well done, yeah. it's the eyes where I'm like, that's the part that I can tell. Yeah. That's where I know. Um, yeah. And so I kind of decided to go the method of, I'm not going to try to make it look real. I'm going to go fantasy right. with it, but mm-hmm. I want them more real. Yeah, so yeah. I kind of, I model my taxidermy eyes after human eyes. Mm-hmm. And so they kind of do this very sinister thing. People tell me that they follow them, right. things like that, just because human eyes have a lot more depth to them. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of, it's a lot more, I use hyper-realistic human eyes, you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, and then oftentimes I'll kind of play with, you know, like the natural color range that we would expect for eyes. Like for example, yeah. this guy has, his eyes are like, it's like an orange to yellow kind yeah. of vibe, yeah. but it looks very much like a normal human you right. know, iris. And so anyway, just kind of playing with the like hyper realism mm-hmm. aspect of, you know, little parts that I can tweak. Yeah. Um, it's pretty fun. And yeah. then the other one I brought is this gal. Ah, yes. So the dolls. I do the dolls. <laughs> they are probably... Um, 
I, I never expected them to be the thing that people have the strongest reaction to, but they really seem to, people either love them or, hate or they them. absolutely yeah. hate them. <laughs> and I get it. I get it. You know, not for everybody. Uh-huh. Um, but basically, my mom was a doll collector mm-hmm. um, growing up and had a massive collection of Madame Alexander's and mm-hmm. other, you know, very nice porcelain dolls Mm -hmm. um, that were you know gonna pay for my college education one one day day. (laughs) and I was never allowed to touch because Uh these are not toys Um, and so unfortunately the market for creepy dolls um, is not what we thought it would be (laughs) yeah at at this time Um, and so anyway different market it's a different market yeah Yeah. and so basically I figured out that um, if I kind of pull their limbs off and glue dead things to them, I can sell them uh-huh. um, and people will Make buy them. Make them creepier. Yep. Yeah. Um, and so I fully embrace that. Uh-huh. So uh, I call them the family very lovingly. Love that. And they each have names and personalities. So mm-hmm. for example, this is Mare Ether. And so it kind of comes from, she has a sister. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically she is featuring, it's a, you know, obviously an old, porcelain doll Mm -hmm. I like do all the detailing and stuff on the dresses and like I dyed this um like green it was like a weird like light purpley color and then it gets kind of you know like it was from a different doll that's why the sleeves are kind of short Uh and then she got like a new wig she Uh has um Bunny little bunny ears that Mm -hmm. I mummified and then a small like antler rack Mm -hmm. some of them I'll use the face pelts on where they'll have like full rabbit faces. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes they have little like, you know, weird accessories and stuff. Mm -hmm. Her name Mare comes from the, you know, uh, kind of mythology behind the word nightmare, Mm -hmm. um, which is the, you know, this kind of female succubus entity that would come into your home in the middle of the night and sit on your chest and a sleep paralysis demon kind of idea. Mm -hmm. Um, And so then her last name is ether like ether Mm -hmm. um and so she's kind of supposed to be this like very sweet looking innocent but um causing problems type of girl um but yeah so (laughs) it's just kind of like a dorky thing that i I do where like i i'm just like i a namer so yeah they they end up kind of all like having a little like personality you mm-hmm. could say like there mm-hmm. was um the first one I ever sold Professor Amenadiel um he got his <laughs> name because he actually had a music box in his body that played I forget which one it was but it was like an uh one of the most popular like very religious hymns, hymns? yeah yeah and yeah. um so he had a brown face pelt um bunny face and mm-hmm. wore like a very classy like red velvet kind of shirt with like a little leather vest thing and he Mm -hmm. had a pocket watch and like a monocle Mm -hmm. and like you know curly hair Mm -hmm. and his name was Professor Amenadiel because he you know um he studies religion Uh you know um but he knows what's up uh Uh but anyway (laughs) um so just like silly things like that um and then I also brought you just as a yes, little fun take-home. I get to take home, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've been experimenting with air plants. So basically I take the one that I gave is like, it's kind of a silver color, but I have mm-hmm. to, it's a silver like vertebrae from yeah. a cow. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have ones that are like skulls and, um, you know, like different bits and bobs, like pelvises and stuff like that. But basically I was able to propagate a bunch of aloe from a friend's yard. They were like digging out, you know, mm-hmm. like it had just taken over. And mm-hmm. so I was able, I acquired just like yeah. way more aloe than any human could do <laughs> anything with yeah, yeah and so I was like okay what do I do with all of this yeah. um and so I kind of started them hydroponically and then have like slowly transitioned them to um an air plant mm-hmm. environment you could say so basically I take the bone I like fully encapsulate I get it completely preserved and then I fully encapsulate it in um, epoxy essentially so mm-hmm. it's almost plastic at this point you could say mm-hmm. and it still preserves all the texture and everything yeah, yeah. but it's completely like water can't yeah. enter yeah. it in any way mm-hmm. and then the plants are kind of like get adjusted to not having any soil to root in mm-hmm. or like you know access to water Regularly. on a regular basis yeah, yeah. Um, and then you just kind of will fill up a bowl or a sink with water and plop it in there for five ten minutes when it starts to look thirsty and then hang her back up and let her do her thing um, Amazing. but yeah so that was just kind of like a fun experiment over the last year that yeah, yeah. Amazing. Thanks. <laughs> I love it all. I love I love the work. I love the story. It's all very very Thank cool. You. Yeah. Well course. I'm excited I got to come and Talk share about with you guys. All. Yeah absolutely. 
totally is uh is there to to send us off is there a spot in town that you love to hang out maybe other than the fab labs <laughs> Is there anywhere you go other than the Fab Labs and your your first home? <laughs> okay, so I'm going to be completely honest. Not really. But outside of just the quote-unquote Fab Labs, mm-hmm. every Thursday you can catch me at What is Art, which is a really fun open mic night yes. event that we do Thursday nights there. Yep. And it's kind of a different vibe than the other open Fab nights. Labs. Yeah, it's um, yeah, yeah. very much like open stage, open gallery. Um, you People get up, do spoken word poetry, whatever. I've recently started, I have a cajon, which is basically like when you're clapping your hands isn't enough. No, I'm just kidding. But um, (laughs) I just wanted to be involved. Um, Uh But it's like a drum box thing. But anyway, and so um, it's like a just a super fun time to like jam band with, you know, friends and stuff like that. And I've kind of started a new musical project um, just for funsies. So I'm calling that Miserabella. Everyone's like, you sound so sad when you sing. Um, (laughs) But that's just, you know, like a fun thing that I like to do, I would say. So that's probably one of the main social things. Otherwise, um, you know, there's a couple like I like to camp Uh um, uh and not necessarily anywhere in Chico particularly. (laughs) think of for that but um you know oh yeah aonami sushi wise oh yeah i can i can get down there um oh mimosa flights or um not mimosa uh bloody mary flights at mom's Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. dill pickle that'd be mm -hmm, Mm -hmm. popping um outside of that i'm usually just kind of yeah either creating (laughs) smashing smashing (laughs) things back together love it (laughs) amazing where can people find you online you can find me at instagram is definitely going to be the best way to connect with me um so if you go to at putris p-u-t-r-i-s period a moderata i-m-m-o-d-e-r-a-t-a um that's kind of the best way to connect with me in terms of you know messaging or whatever uh, i do have a website putrasamoderata.com um it's honestly though it's not updated not like, as up to date as the instagram i, I, yeah. I made it when i first applied to the bizarre bazaar like, yeah that that first time and i don't even know if i've updated <laughs> it so i'm kind of hesitant to uh-huh. plug that but uh-huh. it'll make me update it so this yeah, is good. good motivation good mm, i need that deadlines <laughs> Perfect. Well, awesome. You can find Chico Creates on Instagram at chico.creates, and we will see you around town. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sarah. Uh-huh, of course. Bye, Chico. Bye. Bye.